In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear faithful, what unfolds before us in the Gospel today is all too common. Our Lord Jesus Christ, tempted by the Pharisees, who asked him to name the great commandment of the law, the most important precept of their religion. They don't ask out of a desire to learn from our Lord, but out of a desire to see him proven a false prophet. They want to see him give an answer that they'll be able to pick apart, criticize, and leave him speechless. Then, they were surely thinking to themselves, then he would lose his patience with them. He would become flustered and angry, perhaps sputter around helplessly for an answer. And then his disciples would finally realize that he was a fraud and a charlatan. So they thought the encounter would go. As he so often does, however, our Lord responds by turning the tables on them with a question of his own. Whom do you say is the Christ, the Messiah? Whose son is he? When the Pharisees respond by saying that Christ is the son of David, our Lord uses the simplest argument of logic, a syllogism, to point out their error. It's admitted by both Christ and the Pharisees the son of a father is lesser than his father because he depends on his father for his existence. So with that premise being established, our Lord points out to the Pharisees that in Psalm 109, composed by King David himself, the Messiah is referred to as David's Lord in these words. The Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. It is important to note that the Pharisees here do not challenge our Lord's interpretation of the psalm. No, by their silence, they tacitly admit that the Lord mentioned here is indeed Christ, the Christ, the Messiah of Israel. Now, to refer to any individual as, as one's Lord means that the individual must be greater, must be the greater of the two. And the results, the conclusion of this reasoning is that the Messiah cannot be David's son, at least not in the sense in which these Pharisees and most of the Jews had understood the term up until this point. For if he were, this would be self-contradictory. It would be the simultaneous affirmation of the Messiah as both greater and lesser than David. It is true that one of the titles of Christ is the Son of David. But this is in recognition of his descent in his human nature from the royal line of David through the Blessed Virgin Mary. Jesus Christ, however, in his one person, is God. He is the second person of the Most Holy Trinity. His one divine person does not depend for his existence on any human being, not King David, not anyone. So in today's gospel, we see God himself consenting to take on one of the severest trials of our existence here below, that of temptation. In the case of our Lord, it is his patience which is tempted by the Pharisees. We who are constantly beset with many different temptations, notably those against the virtue of purity, Sometimes we find ourselves complaining that we have not the strength to bear them. Let us rather see the temptations for what they are, trials given to us by our Lord for which he does indeed give us the strength to vanquish. 
For God could have simply erased the guilt of original sin and bestowed his salvation on all of us. This is within his infinite power. Yet he willed to grant us our salvation as a reward, a reward for having thought courageously and seized victory. When we withstand the attacks of the evil spirits of our flesh and of the world, we can truly say with St. Paul that we have fought the good fight and that all that remains for us is to receive the crown of glory which God has prepared for his elect. St. Francis de Sales teaches us that temptation can be so bad at times that our hearts seem to fail us from the fear of the assaults which we may suffer at the hands of the evil one. In the heat of the moment, we're always aware that the ferocity of temptations can increase. In such cases, the saint, the saint tells us, it is enough to desire courage and trust that God will give it to us when we need it. Samson of the Old Testament, possessed of, of superhuman physical strength given him by God, even he did not always have courage. We are told that the line of the vines of Tammetha came raging furiously at him. And then the Spirit of the Lord seized him. God gave him the movement of new strength and courage, and he tore the lion to pieces. The same took place when he de defeated a thousand Philistines in battle at Bikkai. It is not always necessary for us to have the feeling of courage and its movement in order to overcome the roaring lion, St. Peter refers to the devil and the fallen angels under his command. Oftentimes, our Lord preserves us from the consolation of such a feeling of courage in order to prevent vanity or presumption from arising in our hearts. It is enough that we have a desire to fight valiantly, together with perfect confidence, and that the Spirit of God will assist us. Though temptation can be horrible to undergo, it has a providential purpose in our lives, that of purifying our souls and teaching us to put all our trust in God alone. It is God's friends whom he allows to be tempted. That is why the words of the Archangel Raphael to Tobias could be repeated to each of us. And because thou wast acceptable to God, it was necessary that temptation should prove thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.